How do you know you've had a successful homeschool year? What are the elements that tell you you've been successful? Today, Tammy Marone and I are going to discuss the concept of success in our homeschools. I also ask her what she's learned about herself this past year, what she's learned about her kids, and what she's learned about learning. And I encourage you to ask yourself the same. What have you learned about you this homeschool year? What have you learned about your kids? And what have you learned about learning? Tammy is a homeschooler for the last three years. She's an East Coast homesteader, a homeschool mama of two boys. She was a previous school teacher and began homeschooling officially in 2020. And she is a delight to chat with. I think you'll like to hear what she shares about a successful homeschool year for her. It might not be what you think. Welcome to the Homeschool Mama Self-Care Podcast. I'm Teresa Wiedrich. I'm the homeschool life coach at www.capturingthecharmlife.com. I'm here to support homeschool moms that are looking to reimagine their homeschool lives. And if that's you, then welcome. Before we get started, I want to invite you to the year-end review. We're going to do a homeschool year-end review so you can re-envision your next homeschool year. This will be a time to assess your past homeschool year, which is fresh on your mind, and plan for your upcoming homeschool year. I'll walk alongside you to help you be more clear on how you can align your values and your vision with your practical daily activities. Also, I believe that this is a really good time to plan the next year because the past year is fresh on your mind. And then you can enjoy your summer with the kids. If this is something you're interested in, connect with me at www.capturingthecharmlife.com or you can find me on Facebook, Instagram, Patreon, and YouTube at Homeschool Mama Self-Care. So I encourage you to grab a piece of paper or your journal and a pen and write down your first thoughts. What would make a successful homeschool year? How do you know that you are succeeding in your homeschool? Excellent question. How do you know whether you're succeeding in your homeschool? And what does success mean anyways? Today we're going to be chatting with Tammy Maroney, and she is a homeschool mom of two kiddos on the East Coast, and I will invite her up. It's so nice to have you here, Thank Tammy. Thank you for having me. I'm excited. So I'd love to hear, um, for those that don't know you already, would you introduce yourself and share your um, origin, your homeschool origin story? Yeah. So I'm Tammy Marone. I have two boys, um, seven and nine, and we started homeschooling 2020, COVID year, um, but it was on my heart when my son started um, kindergarten and we went to orientation. And when he got a bag that said class of 2032, I was like, ah! I was like, oh my goodness. And it, I got home and I said to my husband, like, am I crazy? Like, I want, I, I want to keep him home. And he wasn't like, oh no, you're crazy. But nah, like it, it's just normal, you know, normal growing pains of a parent sending your kid to school. I'm like, okay. And then just over that year, I volunteered in the classroom and I just still had the pull. And then uh-huh. COVID hit and it was like a layoff and just handed it to us. Oh, nice. So that's how it started. 
what got you started in homeschooling in 2020? <laughs> there could be more than one thing. I know I started my podcast in February of 2020. So things started before then too. So I'm so glad that that's been the case because it's been lovely to watch your Instagram um, stories and posts because first of all, you just have an eye for beautiful things. Oh, thank you. <laughs> and, and just putting it so beautifully or like really noticing the important things is how I see it. But I'm curious what you've noticed this last year. What have you learned about your homeschool kids? Okay. Well, my kids are very different. Um, they're very much the same but they're very different in what they need, their love languages. Um, one likes more independence. One can do things independently, but loves to feel supported. Um, so like figuring out their needs that way. Yeah. Um, how they learn, you know, what yeah. is easy to them, what doesn't. So that's been interesting watching unfold because they are so much alike, but in the, in like the learning environment, they're just different and, yeah. and different to navigate, which is a good thing, but. Challenge it is. Yeah. Like it actually gives, uh, what, I can't think of the word, like credence to, um, or credibility to that notion that kids, even though they're in the same classrooms, in the same grades, same ages, it doesn't mean that they are at the same capacity to learn, period. Right. And as a teacher, I saw that, and I always go back to that in my mind when we, we'll get to the success piece, but the idea that I had children when I taught fourth grade who were on first grade reading level. I had yeah. kids who were in ninth grade reading level. I had kids who were, you know, and, and that's reading. Then there would be writing, math, whatever it is. Socially, there were just so many different human beings in front of you. And so at home, that's not, not to be unexpected that you're going to have that. I'm not going to totally out this child, but just for the record, I have an older daughter who's not a strong speller and will still consult the 14-year-old boy at home. And right. it's natural born skills and or not so skills and I've got them too there's certain areas that are really strong and there's certain areas like you know someone laughed the other day and said ah ha ha that's funny that you said that I was actually serious <laughs> when I said um something about my math skills that I don't have really strong math skills and that's not an exaggeration not saying I'm proud I'm just saying it really doesn't come by naturally to me so it is what it is and I've got my strengths too it is the way we were wired yeah. So I'm curious, what is some or one or a few of things that you have learned about you over the last year? I have learned my capacity for certain noise <laughs> at certain times of day. It shrinks. Yeah. And if I don't take breaks earlier, it's not as successful. Like mm -hmm. I can feel like I'm, I'm a type to push through things. Yeah, me too. Like, and I always have been, yeah. whether I was working or exercising or whatever. And then it always hits me on the back end. Yeah. Um, and now having two full-time, because last year was kindergarten for one. Now it's like we're a little bit more intense and they're just louder and stronger and big, bigger and all of these things. And I have to give myself things in advance and not wait till like the point where I'm just burnt. Yeah. Um, so that really come into play, just knowing, being proactive with giving myself a break and yeah. like setting a boundary and those kinds of things. Um, so yeah, sorry, be aware of that becoming aware before it's like too late, <laughs> you know, before I feel like, ah, the days are, you know, gone and I'm frustrated or whatever it might be. Um, Cause it, it doesn't even have to do with actual schoolwork. It could just be kids in general, you know, you just yeah. have to give yourself that time to take a break and yeah. switch it up. <laughs> How did you learn uh, 
um, or did you build in a self-awareness practice for you to pay attention to what was going on in here or how do you notice what's I, going on? I, for me, it's like breathing. I'll find myself like, and then I'm doing, I start multitasking and trying to like, I'll be, one thing might be irritating me and then I'm like, oh, now I need to clean the living room because this is just really setting me off. I'm like, okay, this yeah. is everything's not you know frustrating it's me i need a break like it's not all the things because one day that living room a mess won't bother right. me you know but right now it's really throwing me for a loop so just recognizing when i start to get like that mm -hmm. um and i just take a i've been really working on taking deep breaths and you know getting a glass of water oh maybe i didn't eat enough i need to go eat my lunch and just making sure i'm not putting self-care aside, the typical, not even like extra self-care, but just the basics. Humans. Uh, yeah. Human <laughs> self-care. Remember you're a human. Remember I need to eat as well. Yeah. Uh, by the way, everything you just said, I'm like, oh, wow, that's like really my story. <laughs> yeah. Right. And it happens, it'll, you'll catch yourself and say, oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> Here I go. I do. Because I actually find around um, moments that I am most emotionally charged, like the week or two um, or the week before my period, mm -hmm. I feel like mm, everything just got a little more jaded. And uh, like, it's not like anything new came up. It's just that I just went, mm, seeing the perspective, a little shift away from happy and optimistic. And, and then I noticed that I get more intense about, I have to do everything. The dishes, or let's not say the dishes because the kids do it, but the laundry or the whatever, it has to get done. And now, and just kind of, you know, more intense. And so then I have to ask myself, okay, what would really serve me right now? Or it would it be five minutes of going to tidy up for a bit and then coming back and just saying, you know what, nothing's going to feel like it's perfect right now. Yeah. So build up that muscle of resistance really to the imperfect. Yeah. Thanks for sharing that. So I, I would love to hear what you've learned um, about learning this year. So I, maybe that ties in with what your kids, um, you know, that they're very different. Is there something similar or do you have something else? I think I've become more flexible and I've learned that there's no urgency with learning even if there is a disability or even if there is something that you're concerned about that like urgency doesn't have to be there because that i think creates worry which creates stress which creates um not productive behavior on anybody's part mm -hmm. so just toning down the urgency and um learning happens obviously we know everywhere but if you are in concerned about a particular area everything has a starting point you can always back up and start and just start where the child is and not panic about where you think they should be. Yeah. And just keeping that in mind all the time for me has been really helpful this year. And I, you, I know that, <laughs> but in application, it's harder different areas depends on what you're working on and that kind of thing. And then the comparison piece. Um, and it's funny cause I try not to compare to other kids or public school. I had this in my, it was like my own comparison to myself when I was a kid, like when I was in kindergarten, when I was in second grade and I'm like, whoa, I am, my son is not me. Yeah. I am him. Neither of them are me, you know? So just mm -hmm. recognizing that the way I learn is going to be totally different than what they need or what they are going to be capable of. 
Yeah, yeah, that's a really good observation. Well, my kids are all totally fine then if you're comparing to me at that <laughs> stage or to my kids. Um, they've, they've done remarkably in their learning and following their paths and their interests. Um, but thank you for sharing that because sometimes uh, I remember saying that you don't have to sign up for a homeschool philosophy and I really don't think anyone does because your goal is your child is to home educate your child to raise up your child not the philosophy not to buy into something for the sake of that yeah. and there is no one right way to do it and i believe that wholeheartedly but at the same time you do sometimes want to take a little bit of this or a little bit of that and you know try to incorporate it kind of use it for your kids or for really for your life because it's a whole lifestyle but i would ask you know you or or whatever mothers that are watching or interested what are the values that you have the base values for your family or for yourself in the world because those are the things a lot that really influence how you do homeschool and also make you feel really satisfied or dissatisfied with your homeschool so one thing is connection um but in that connection, honesty and setting boundaries with one another. So I want my kids to feel honest and be able to say, this is too hard, or I just don't feel like doing this right now, but in a way that's productive and in a way that I can respect them and we can work together on creating you know, boundaries. So maybe I wanna encourage them to push a little bit harder or maybe I can pull back, but just if we're not connected, we're not gonna have that conversation. Right. Um, yeah. And so I think in our whole family on everything, not just academics, but just having that safe space to be able to feel like you can just talk to them or they can talk to me and my husband or whatever. Um, yeah. So connection and all yeah. is fine value. Um, another one is balance. Um, just a balance of everything, whether it's- Tell me what does that mean? Because when I hear balance, I go, it's not real. Yeah. What do you mean? Balance in the sense that like, no, it's never going to be perfectly balanced. Yeah. But out breath, in breath, like if you're feeling like you are just pushing really hard one day and not even academically, like yesterday was a very busy day for us, yeah. just out and about doing a million things, great things. Mm -hmm. But I would then in balance today doing the same thing. And so right. just finding balance within, not necessarily each day, but within our week or within our season or whatever it is, but just finding balance in that sense. Yeah. Just including all the things, making sure not to forget the things. Yes, things that bring us joy and things that challenge us whatever it might be, but just finding some sort of balance, yeah. even though I feel like upside down some days, but then that's when I reflect on myself and <laughs> just try to figure it out. Again, it's kind of with the balance piece, like the way we live in the winter versus around here, we have the very distinct four seasons. And so accepting that and, and leaning into it. Yes. Um, it's just, just really important to us in our whole. Yeah. I love it. I really, really love it. Um, and it, like, I didn't like going outside when I was a child, which is hilarious because I'm up all the time and it's very life-giving to say okay it's springtime you need to go outside do hard work yeah i don't know but there will always be something oh and there's always something on our house you know <laughs> i really do i don't need a nature reserve it's my backyard yes but wherever we are if it's somebody that has you know the lifestyle that we have or not finding yourselves outside and really paying attention to what's going on when you brought up seasons i actually thought about um a discussion yesterday with homeschool moms that are feeling kind of done with the year. And, um, and I had shared that I found myself over the course of time 
very distinctly going in and out of homeschool philosophy seasons is what I called it. And it would be like September to December. I am a classical homeschooler. And then somewhere in January, I'm like, I think we should do some more documentaries. <laughs> and by February, I'm like, so what's this unschool thing? And then March and April, we're Charlotte Mason homeschoolers. We're going outside. And by June, July, August, unschooling for sure. For sure, and, yeah. And just rinse and repeat. Yeah. And a little variation based on whatever child was actually being home educated, not just me. Yeah. yeah, no, I'm the same about the whole philosophy thing. We lean into certain things based on the seasons. Always. Yeah, exactly. So you had brought up a really great discussion about success or um, knowing when you find success in your homeschool or how you can determine success. So I would love to hear your thoughts. So I think it's pretty layered in that um, you could look at it daily. Yeah, you could look at it you, um, academically or you could look at it holistically and push back. Um, so I think for us, success on a day-to-day -day basis is how do we feel at the end of the day? Like how, like what did we do well that we really want to do again? And what well, do we not want to do tomorrow? <laughs> and so that's how I rate the day-to-day -day success. Um, so that's one piece of it. I love and not and that feeling thing. Because when I was younger, I mean, I've always worked as a currency in feelings because it's very much who I am. Mm -hmm. um, but I thought, well, you can't like base things around that, that goal or that mindset because it's too la uh, labile and where there's truth in that, but there's also a reason that we have feelings. So we mm -hmm. should be able to hear what's really going on. So right. thank you. Yeah. So, um, so in that respect, day to day, like your feelings and just how did the overall vibe feel? Do I feel like mm -hmm. completely wiped? And it's okay. Even if you had a great day to feel wiped and need a break. But I want to feel like enlightened and excited more so. Um, and so then, then I look at it, success, like especially this time of year. And even though now I'm leaning into more of a year round, like even including the unschool in the summer, but just, it just kind of stretches itself that way naturally for us. But yeah. as you wrap up a grade level or as you finish a curriculum and you're kind of like reflecting back or say you have a portfolio due and we, and then our district, we um, have like reports to fill out, they're not like a portfolio, but just you're reflecting back and I'm looking at our curriculum and my son, we're not in one of them. I worked, we got more done than the other for the year because my older son took a lot more classes this year mm. and was just doing different things. And so I'm trying to look at it as an exchange instead of, did he get such and such done? What did I exchange for that? Like, what did he get instead? What, where did we compromise? And um, that's the whole stretch of now for the end of the year. Like I'll be able to turn in his paperwork fine and say he's done great, like past grade level or whatever it is, but maybe we can finish our math curriculum over the summer or the bits and pieces that I want to touch on with him or that I want to make sure he's not um, missing, but also, on the days we didn't do the lessons, was he at golf lessons or was he cuddling on the couch reading longer with me or whatever it might be? What did we exchange for that mm -hmm. um, instead of just looking at the checklist of six? That's really good. You know, the most one of the for many years, the most popular post on my website is about Maya Angelou's book. Uh, I can't remember the book, but anyways, it's about solitude and it's all about quiet time and like four children and the people mm -hmm. have nothing to do at all. I actually think the homeschool lifestyle really does foster the potential for that. Unless of course we fill every last bit right. with some, and I get why people want to do that. I've been there, done that myself. 
and also solitude, the ability to not sign up to do anything a certain time of day or maybe in a certain time of week, that solitude has so much potential for personal growth and pondering and like a, really a self-development thing where people get to know themselves better. And frankly, boredom is a useful tool. Yeah. In a world where we don't ever have something not to do, we have a screen there, there's always someone to talk to. For example, like my sons started sailing and it was something, was, we're not sailors, but it was just a class that was offered. I thought it'd be so cool and they loved it in a different, it is not a good fit for us. It was not a good fit for them. And at first it felt like to me, not a failure, but just like, oof, like we, why aren't they feeling brave? Like, is this something I need to work on? And then we ended up making the decision as a family that it just wasn't gonna work and we didn't go. And so we had today and like, so much time uh, just to be able to say like you said with solitude and we ended up going for a nice bike ride together and the boys played at the beach with wood and they were just building yeah. and it just filled in in a different way and we exchanged that activity that wasn't a great fit for something that they needed exactly that's exactly what i mean and and those little pockets of time as long as we're not filling every moment with yet one more really cool resource. And there are really cool resources right now, like stuff that I see people putting out there or creating. I'm like, wow, I did not have this back in the day. And I wasn't even in the stone ages of homeschooling. I wasn't in the pioneering days of homeschooling. It's just kind of like, you know, 20 years into when it started to get really popular maybe, or 10 years and now there's tons of resources and tons of extracurriculars and you don't want to fill every last moment with that no, no that's we definitely um dabbled this year with more things and experiences which has been great but i need to keep those days that are just like the untouchables <laughs> just we're home yeah Please. that's really good untouchable <laughs> even for us you know i actually did think that i was curtailing extracurriculars when i had decided we decided to give the kids the opportunity to make money for their own extracurriculars yeah i don't remember how old my oldest was but she wasn't that old like maybe 10 and so we had this idea this is how we would do it and they surprised us that they actually got money and even had more extracurriculars so i was like okay that didn't quite work how i thought and then i drove for many years and i drove and i drove and i drove i thought it was a clever idea nonetheless they really did own their their reasons for doing it and they showed it so what other thoughts do you have around how we know or can identify whether we're successful i think i honestly my biggest thought really is like how it feels and and progress and process over some kind of endpoint because yeah. there's going to be you know in what you're comparing to so obviously for for us we have you know grades we're like not grades but grade level materials we're working on and content that we're working on um and so it feels good to to check boxes um but more importantly Importantly, it's just those moments where it's almost like a, I think um, Julie Bogart calls it like a paycheck, where you, they, they cash in all of a sudden your child who at the beginning of the year wasn't reading and was just looking at letter sounds and now is starting to fluently blend their words and read sentences. You see that progress yeah. and you don't actually have to measure it. There are tools for measuring those things and that can be great and useful. But for me, that success at this, my kids are younger at this point. So for me, it's just those big gains that I can see from now, from the beginning of the technical school year. Mm -hmm. um, and just seeing, then when I step back, I look at the big picture and would, what would I be happy about? 
I look at it like life. Um, the success in life can't be just something you check off. It has to be your like your life and how it feels to you. And are you able to take care of yourself? Are you able to support yourself? Are you able to advocate for yourself? Um, so if my kids can do that within each year yeah. and they get better at doing it and knowing what they need and I, I get better at guiding them there, um, then I think you're successful. Yeah, it's a really useful rubric. I, I know for myself, because I engage homeschool moms that are really coming from every walk of life, um, whether that's economic or um, uh, frameworks of beliefs, or whether that's um, like right across the board, all the homeschool philosophies, it doesn't matter who I chat with, because it doesn't matter to me how they do it. What does matter is that how they view things or what they value actually aligns with what they do because incongruence makes us really unhappy internally. So then either clarifying what our values are, what really matters to us, are we doing it because we're believing this thing? Are we doing it because other people have told us something's valuable mm -hmm. or sometimes conflict with our partners uh, that we don't actually have the same values in the same home for the same kids. That's a tricky thing. Um, but there's many reasons why we might be incongruent, but the goal is to be congruent with whatever our values are and ask ourselves, is it actually happening in our home today? And so, you know, it's a different way of looking at your exact question or your exact statement about feelings, because it is a, does it feel true? Does it feel right? Right. And, and we, I feel like as homeschool moms, we read all the things and we know all like the theories that we want to believe in. But like you said, are we actually aligning with that? Are we actually practicing that? Um, what we could we do to make it better in doing that? And I am yeah. a textbook for that because like I said, I love those home days. But then in my mind, it was like, well, when we're home, we need to do yeah. the academic stuff. And then I'm like, what am I doing? Because now they want that free time. They need that solitude and that time to, to play and to build or whatever. What I can't have both I need to you can have both in a, in a sort of way but I can't have all the things academically if I want to all offer them this space in one day <laughs> so yeah. in, in one day I and so how can I make my um, routine and flow look differently to for me feel comfortable that I'm offering them enough academically but also offer them enough freedom and myself that. Yeah, when we're, we're talking about balance again, yeah. really be including all the things. And what I've learned, because now I'm coming to my end of my homeschool days, I have a lot of books in my homeschool room that I still haven't done. Right. And I, what am I going to do with this stuff? <laughs> like, there's a lot of books. I could yeah. be like the community library. Um, but I've got all this, you know, curriculum and all these amazing things. And the reality is the all human knowledge as we know today, is literally staring at us. It is inside of our phones. Mm -hmm. And so what's the goal of the education anyways? Is it to make sure that they have their upload of all human knowledge and they won't miss a beat? Right. There's no whoever, or we're trying to make them into demigods. Um, and if we look at our own educations, we know we all have gaps, because I don't know about you, I know I heard you have a different story than me because you can compare your kids to your childhood and you were engaged I'm going with and did really well and I did not so because of that then I'm like oh well my kids are fine if I compare I was in kindergarten reading Charlotte's Web second grade I had to come up with my own spelling words like from the dictionary 
I remember having to write down deoxyribonucleic acid as a spelling word because that's what I chose. And so I'm like, who, you know, why am I comparing that to my child who's probably perfectly just fine the way he is? And I'm, you know, comparing to something so ridiculous. How'd you get those things out of our heads, though, from my vantage point? I'm like, you're doing amazingly. Right. And, and I feel like the more we do it, the more I unfold. And believe it's, a, it's that moment of self-doubt, if anybody gets it is checking back with yourself and saying, like you asked all those questions about your values. What yeah. is it that you really want um, this to feel like for your family and for your kids? And what's the whole purpose of having them at home if you're gonna exactly. not make the best of it and make it feel really great for everybody? And Dude. there's gonna be days that aren't good and that's okay. Well, moments, not whole days, but you yeah. know, moments that make it feel like. Well, I have had full days. <laughs> I'm just gonna throw for anybody that identifies with that. That's not the goal, but it is a reality. Yeah. But I will say that um, one of the things that I have noticed, especially because I write about this a lot, a lot, about de-schooling and about what the purpose of home education is. So for me, my vantage point, I go like super meta, but I do it for a big reason. We're here for, let's go with 83 days, or sorry, 83 years. <laughs> and then say, what are we intending to do with that entire lifetime? And I think the education, because the intention is to raise up a child like that's literally in the word the latin root to the word um to raise up a child well what's the purpose of raising them up for their whole life like what's the intention and for me i think we're all placed here for a reason and we have very unique giftings and aptitudes and even our children aren't able to see them clearly at age 8 18 25 i'm 49 i haven't figured it all out for myself but so maybe the purpose is to be here right now fully purposeful today and then to keep growing and learning and and allowing experiences and resources and curriculum or un you know unwritten curriculum to really just infuse our lives so that we're fully present today yeah Yeah. look i just like to look at the big picture like you said of pulling back and just saying in the end, when we're done, graduated, whatever, which obviously you live, you learn all of your life. I'm learning more now that Me too. I'm 41. You know, it feels like I'm learning more than I could ever have learned. Um, just knowing that that pressure right now is really not purposeful. It's not helpful. And if you just pull back that pressure, a lot of amazing things can happen. And yeah. there will be progress. And if there's not, then you can address it in certain areas, but also what progress are you looking at? You know, I remember vividly, we were did a little um, farm stand and the kids sell fruit and they make things and they sell plants. And my son was doing basically um, three step story problems, word problems, working out there. Yeah. But then when we would do it on paper, he would struggle and I'm like, well, yeah. he can, but he can do it in real life. So why do I care that the, the actual paper confused him? Yeah, I have to like, you know, so it's just fun to look at those samples in your life and say, that doesn't really weigh that much, but that yeah. he could do it in real life matters. Yeah, it really does matter. The way you see things, like you had rubrics for each of the classes. Mm-hmm. So how mentally frame that now? As a classroom teacher, though, it happened too. We did so, the assessments that we did were just innumerable, like, and how did we use them? That's what I used to say to myself was in a classroom, how are they used? Sometimes obviously you'd reteach or redirect or go back to things, but those big assessments, by the time you get the results, kids are moving on to the next grade. What, what is 
the purpose. Yep. So like in home, I try not to, I don't grade everything. We have certain things we'll check up on them, but I can get an idea of what my kids know or don't know just working with them. Mm -hmm. um, so I take so much less pressure on actual testing like that doesn't um, yeah. apply to us as much. Um, and it's just interesting how it applies in, in a public school setting or a different setting. And I just kind of, I pulled away from that because I used to care about that feeling that I really needed to show this data and this growth. Um, but then realizing I don't necessarily have to have these charts and graphs on my child because mm -hmm. I can see it right in front. It's a really tricky transition. And I know that when I'm speaking with people, especially when they're newer homeschoolers, I think I kind of like go too far because I can remember what it was like way back when. And if I had heard me, which I did, I was exposed. My very first homeschool family was an unschooled family. And I was like, oh no, that does not sound right. Uh, that sounds neglectful or that's unhealthy. In fact, my husband sent me, a, I think it was a New York Times article yesterday and it was just recent. Um, and people were talking about an unschool family and the unschool family was in the highlight of wandering around the world and learning. Yeah. And of course was a ton of pushback in the comment section. And I get it. I understand where they're coming from because yeah. if I through their, their eyes, I would have thought this is nuts. This is not normal. This is negligent so, at the so far out it's of the norm. Too far out of the norm. And I totally get that. And then you have kids and then you're homeschooling them and then you're watching them learn. And then you're saying, why am I forcing certain things when they're doing them anyway? Or, you know, it doesn't matter how much I try to force it. They're not learning because I'm trying to force. In or fact, they don't me. need it right now. Yeah. Like we can build the foundation. And it's funny because my, um, my account, my blog, everything was roots before petals. And I started to see it with my kids, like just building those roots and not pushing to get like, you can't make a flower bloom yeah. with, with huh. just yelling at the flower. Like, yeah. You need to take care of it. And I'm like, just grow. But you, it can be slow and, and not, and I'm not saying, and I don't, I think sometimes I might portray the wrong message. I'm not saying homeschool children have to work at a slower rate or don't learn oh, no. as quickly. There's a lot of kids who fly in academics in certain areas, but I actually found even as a classroom teacher, because I was a special education teacher and I taught reading intervention and I found the kids, if I say third graders, and I worked with them on just decoding CVC words, consonant, vowel, consonant, and we really mastered that. The progress on the other end on third grade content was immense because we were building that foundation slowly. Right. And I just, and I had fifth graders reading, going up to like four reading levels when we were working together. It just, because you really focus on that foundation. Yeah. And so I just, I just think it's so important. I love that. Yeah. I, I love your flower grow, yeah. just grow. It just, yeah, just grow already. I think sometimes we need to get out of our kids' way. And, and I think more often than not, we need to get out of their way and just acknowledge who they really are, how they learn, what they need. And they, we're natural learning people. That's what we do is we want to learn. And I think we are in a school educational system where everything is prescribed and there's no places to breathe and just to be and because of that then kids go oh i think learning is um it feels like a bad word because they've got the system that has been so prescribed for them and they don't get to think and they don't get to really be fully engaged in whatever it is and i think that is a problem 
And I think coming from that setting, it really took me a, and I hadn't taught for eight years. My son, I stayed home with my son yeah. and I hadn't been in the classroom for eight years, but starting home. And then I didn't homeschool him for another, what, he was six, seven. So that was a long stretch of time. And well, that doesn't make sense. No. So eight, yeah, eight or nine, either way, a yeah. decade, I hadn't been in the classroom, like still couldn't let go of a lot of those things. And now though, it's been what, three years, three solid years. And I feel like I'm finally like, yes, it's okay. And I have a girlfriend who's a teacher and she, I remember her asking about my son. Well, so you're teaching the three types of writing, right? And like asking about it. And I didn't blame her for the question. I thought it was totally like something you would ask. And I laughed to myself, like, which would be like persuasive opinion and um, just narrative. And I remember, um, but how often does he need that right now to actually write it? Do I discuss things with him like this orally? Of course. And so if he can vocalize those things, I trust that as he builds his skills in writing, he will be able to put those things on paper better. And um, just seeing like it from a life perspective, as opposed to a this is what they need to do at a certain time perspective is really helpful. Yes, to, very much. To build success in a different way for us. And frankly, that pushing tend to push, it really does exactly the opposite. Yeah. So especially if you do it with a truly a yelling kind of energy and you can ask me how I know, <laughs> partly because of the way I grew up, but also because I definitely defaulted like this right. in fear. It wasn't I'm trying to be mean flower grow up. It was, oh my goodness, you have to know this. It's so important. Yeah. And no, not really. Now I, I think not really, not not so much so that you should make a child feel pressured. One of my girls had asked me when she went into high school, because I have I have a daughter that went full through homeschool high school, but one of my girls had asked me, are you going to now start caring about grades? If I, I went, okay, so why are you asking, first of all? No, I don't. They reflect something. I would say it does say something. So if you're not bringing in your assignments all the time and you're getting a low grade because you're not organized, well, I'm not going to shame you because you're not bringing them in, but I am going to say, okay, how can we do this to coordinate so that you can bring in the work that you are required to do? And that would be a long, lifelong useful skill to know how to show up on time at work or to do your project and make sure it's handed in on time and you're working with the team. But it's not about, but did you get 95 or 82? Like right. the rubrics themselves based on the different um, subject areas are so, um, they just, they're kind of subjective. You know, it depends on what it is, but there's a lot of subjectivity to it and value-based based on what the schools are seeing or what the institution is seeing. And so then it's taking it with a grain of salt. Having said that, I had kids ask me to grade them. So go figure. Right. I'm home and I have tests. I'm like, really? Okay. That would have been me if I was homeschooled. <laughs> yeah. And, and, you know, for the record, I do think it's valuable sometimes to have testing. And I wouldn't have said that before one of my kiddos had her very first official test when she was um, going into a post-secondary school and had to get a, um, uh, like a, a post-secondary, I don't know what they call it. It's not actually a, a, a test anymore. It's not available anymore, but it would place her in the province with whatever post-secondary school she'd like to go to, you know, that level that she wanted and had never had a test before. But she said to me, mom, being in a room of 200 people in a post-secondary school, never took a test. 
unless my spelling test. Right. Uh, and then boom, I'm taking a test. It was a lot of stress. Work. Yeah. To have that experience later on, I, I was talking more my elementary age kids, but I totally yeah. get the value of as they get older to expose them to like some sort of standardized testing for the practice of it. Do you have any other thoughts about how to encourage success in our homeschools? I think it's really, I mean, it all depends on what you're looking for because there are ways to assess children methodically. Say you're using the science of reading and you wanna find growth patterns and things like that. So find what works for you in that sense. But fully for me, it's become this progress piece, just feeling that they've made growth, trusting in that, and knowing that no outcome is more important than the connection that you're going to make with them. And I know it's cliche, the love of learning, but if, if we, like you said, pushing, dumping the water on the flower to say you need to grow, don't you need more water and just keep watering it? Yeah. It's not going to, um, you're going to suffocate it. It's not going to, it's not going to survive. Do my kids want to continue doing this? I think is important to, do they want to keep coming to the table to learn? Are we, are we stagnant or do we feel fresh? Mm -hmm. Like, I think keeping things fresh helps us feel more successful too. Um, and that's just mm -hmm. how we yeah. look at it, our house. Yeah, if I've learned anything from the, like my, everyone's had a different pandemic experience, but in the early days, many of us had a very similar one and novelty was so valuable. Mm -hmm. It was such a valuable experience. And I don't think I understood how much novelty meant until that time when you had a lot of time inside your own home. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So also for homeschooling, and that's probably why people naturally shift into different seasons of homeschooling. They don't just shift um, from one philosophy to the next or one curriculum to the next, but they're always moving based on the seasons. But what would you say makes you unique and celebratable as a mom <laughs> during Mother's Day? I know that's such a hard question to like compliment yeah. yourself. Yeah. Um, I think unique, I guess, would be something that makes me individualized in this way is that I, I think you know this, we've suffered a lot of hardship in my family loss, even over the past few years with my mother-in-law. And I think just looking at that and the loss of my father and just taking from that what, how important life is, yeah. like the one life my kids get and the one life we have as a family, and just that's the priority. Um, so for me, my strength would be knowing that mm -hmm. and just not taking it for granted. I really have few days that go by that I don't, that I let that go, like that I that kind of lose sight of that. And so I think that would be my unique strength. Yeah, <laughs> I love that. That's so good. That is um, so grounded, which really fits ground with the or petals um, website name that you have grounded you feel grounded to me and in my experience the people that are the most grounded are the ones that usually had the most i'll call it compost in our lives <laughs> right like dang like really that's really hard stuff and hard stuff can be compostable and then allow you to flourish yeah. i see that beautiful so lovely to chat with you and i wish you a lovely homeschool mama mother's day thank you you too <laughs> I hope our discussion on what success looks like in our homeschools helps you clarify what it might look like in yours. I'd love to hear what your thoughts are, what success does look like in your homeschool, if you'd shoot me a message over at www.capturingthecharmlife.com. If this podcast episode has been a useful resource for you, I ask that you would write a review on Apple, Spotify, or any podcast player. 
And if you'd like to reimagine your homeschool, I've got a course for you, a mini course available to you on my website, recently redesigned with you in mind. Until next week, I want for you and your homeschool kids to turn all your homeschool challenges into your homeschool charms. You've got this, girlfriend.